Amen. Thank you so much, team. What an interesting week it has been. If you don't know, my name's Ben. I'm part of the team here at Hills, and I think I have the best job. I have the privilege of leading our youth on a Friday night, and yeah, that is amazing. I love it. We were hanging out on Zoom on Friday night. It was awesome. In preparation for this word, I feel like God has given me a piece over my heart because at the start of the week, I was preaching to two services, and then that changed to three, and I thought, that's fine. And then suddenly things changed on Wednesday, so we quickly went to Allgate and filmed the message in the studio because we're going to share the condensed version on Zoom. And then things changed again, and now we get to share it in the gym with a few people in the room and most of you at home, but at least we get to still do the live stream. God's good, hey? And I just feel that a sense of peace that the word is going to get out no matter the fact. Even when we were in prayer this morning, as we were gathering together, three times the power went out during our time of prayer. So the enemy doesn't want the word to get out, but we're believing God is going to send his word forth in the midst of everything going on. So I went to Emmaus Christian College throughout high school. And like many high schools, at the end of the year, you get given a yearbook. And at my school, when you got given your yearbook, you immediately went to the back of the book. Because at the back of the book was the year 12 quotes. And for five years, you would think, when I have my opportunity, what is the one thing I want to leave hundreds of people with? So you would read these, and I'm going to read you some of what my friends said. Common sense is like deodorant. The people who need it most never use it. (laughs) Before you judge a man, walk a mile in his shoes. After that, it doesn't matter because you have his shoes and you're a mile away. (laughs) Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. There are plenty of fish in the sea, but most of them... A magic up. I knew at least Matt Nichols would enjoy that one. Or a quote from Alfie. He said, Alfie just stole my girl, apparently, from everyone. This one's a bit more sinister. High school is easy. It's like riding a bike, and the bike is on fire, and the ground is on fire, and everything is on fire because you are in hell. You see, I'm a teacher, and I hope that's not my, that's not my student's experience. That's pretty sinister. Someone else said the difference between, I think the teachers didn't really, they didn't really cut these. It was just what you said got in the book. I think by that stage, people were in year 12, so it was sort of like catch you later anyway. Another one, the difference between pizza and your opinion is I asked for the pizza. (laughs) Bear in mind, I went to a Christian school. So there were some more faith-based ones like Bay Ain't Bay if Bay doesn't pray. Or at that time, Lecrae was a big hit and Bay Ain't Bay if Bay doesn't listen to Lecrae. Lecrae is a Christian rapper. And don't get me wrong, there was plenty of Bible verses and C.S. Lewis quotes as well. And in a moment, I'm going to share what my year 12 quote was. But I want to take you on a little bit of a journey because when I was in year 8 and year 9 my quote would have been so much different because there was a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in my own life that I was wrestling with. And in that time, 
I still believed in God, but there was so much hurt that I was working through. I couldn't understand why things were happening. I had so many questions, so many doubts, so many frustrations, and I was annoyed at God. And it actually showed in my behavior. You see, as a teacher, when you see particular students' behavior, you need to look past the behavior and actually look to the person and what are they going through. And as I was looking at my year 12 my year 12 end of year book and all the others, I found something interesting. It was my Emmaus Christian College student behavior profile history. I know. Why did I have a behavior history? And it's a fairly decent sized page. And you might think this was for numerous years, but this was actually just term four of year nine. What it reads out is my five detentions I received that year, or sorry, not that year, that term. And I read this because I see the brokenness that I was experiencing at that time. And I don't read this because I'm proud of it, but I read it because I want to acknowledge where God brought me to and why I could say what I did at the end of year 12 through my final quote. All right, some of the tensions read, calling out and being rude. Safety issues for himself and others, sliding down the banister multiple occasions. Under direct instruction not to eat in class, Ben ate his apple and was rude about receiving a detention. Inappropriate uniform, no hat. Or the final one, which I think is the most peculiar one, entering the computer room through the window. God took me on a journey from year nine and things drastically changed in my life. To year 12, God gave me a real revelation of who he was through a picture of eternity. In a moment, I'm going to get to how God shared that to me. But what my year 12 quote was, life's short, heaven's forever. In Year 8 and year 9, something had changed compared to year 11 and year 12. And this morning, I want to share, my message is called Perspective in the Pain. If you're a note taker, that is the title of my message, Perspective in the Pain. How can we have perspective in the pain? When everything that's happening in our world, when things are feeling like they're crazy in our own life, how can we have perspective in the pain? And we're continuing our series on the commands of Christ. And Dave hit it off last week with the greatest command of them all, which is interesting because he said to me, Ben, I'll start with the greatest command of them all and I'll just give you a random one for next week. <laughs> Appreciate it. But in all seriousness, it was yeah, such a special word to hear. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself? And Actually, that's something we might have heard before, but it's something that when we bring context to it, it's so important. And the command of Christ I want to speak to comes from John chapter 14. And it's interesting because as you read John chapter 14, you need to read it in light of John chapter 12, John chapter 13, and the chapters after, because Jesus is doing something quite profound. He's actually preparing his disciples for what's about to take place. He's actually trying to equip them to have perspective for the pain that they're about to experience. He washes the disciples' feet. He predicts his own betrayal. 
He explains to them. He comforts them. He speaks about the Holy Spirit that is going to come. And that's the context we need to read John chapter 14 from. If you're listening at home, quickly go grab your Bible and follow with us. The command of Christ is at verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Wow. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be where with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, one of the disciples, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do, not, you do know him and have seen him. I love this passage because Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm actually going to be crucified. I'm going to die, but I'm also going to rise again. And I'm actually going to go before you and prepare a place for you. Not just for the here and now, but for all of eternity. I'm giving you some perspective so you can face the pain. Because you're going to see some things. You're going to hear some things that are going to be extremely hard. Jesus is preparing them. Fast forward on to John chapter 16, verse 16 to 18. Jesus, he's still preparing his disciples, went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. The disciples are still dumbfounded. They don't understand. We have hindsight. The disciples realize this afterwards they remembered what Jesus said. But in the moment, they are so confused. Verse 17, at this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, in a little while you'll see me no more? Then after a little while you will see me? And because I'm going to the Father, they kept on asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Verse 20, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn as the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but you will see again and you will rejoice and no one will be able to take your joy away. I believe this isn't just a word for the disciples as they were be as they were getting prepared for what was about to happen. But I believe this is a word for us as believers, that we will face grief, we will face pain, hardship, but our grief is going to be traded for joy, for triumph, because we can have a perspective like no one else, because we can have perspective in our pain, that we can say life's short, but heaven is forever. When I was six, God brought me on a huge journey. I remember mum sat me and my older brothers down and told me and my brothers that dad was diagnosed with dementia known as Alzheimer's disease. And at that time, I didn't know what it meant. But in the weeks, the months and the years to come, I could tell you every effect it had on me 
on dad and on my family. I remember under eights basketball one day. Dad was driving me to the game. And as a six-year-old, I recognized the streets that were around the basketball court. But I couldn't tell you how to get there because it was about half an hour away. And I remember looking at the time and looking around and noticing we hadn't got to the game yet and we should be here. It's that moment that I realized dad was starting to forget things, that he actually couldn't remember how to get to the basketball game. So I missed the game that week. And this was the beginning of a downward spiral. And it wasn't too long after that I remember thinking, when's the last time my dad has said my name? The disease had taken so much away from him that he no longer remembered who I was, his own son. And I remember one night crying out. Mum was holding me in her arms. My mum's here this morning as well. And I remember mum holding me in her arms. And I said, why is God allowing this to happen? We've prayed. We've believed for miracles. Why aren't we seeing this? What is happening why, why, why? I remember mum saying, we're going to trust God and we're going to get through this as a family. Fast forward a few years, our family experienced a crazy sense of peace and we felt like the time was near, that dad was about to pass away. And it was the night before dad passed away and I'm sitting there in the room, just dad and I, no one else is there. And I was walking around year eight, year nine, year 10 with what I can only explain as a deep wound in my own life that I couldn't understand. I felt like I believed God, but I didn't know why. I was walking with a limp and whenever someone pressed upon that wound, it caused so much grief and so much pain. It wasn't until this moment when I cried out to God, I said, I've had enough. I just need to surrender this over to you. If you're here, can you meet me now? And I opened my Bible. Dad is lying down. He's in a deep sleep. And I turned to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And God spoke to me in that moment through this verse so, so specifically that the present suffering will not compare with the glory that will be revealed to us. In that moment, I could say, I've got perspective in my pain because I know life's short, but heaven's forever. In that moment, God just gave me a glimpse of what this picture of eternity is so much more than the here and the now. I felt like I was a baby learning to walk for the first time as I started to discover what eternity truly means, what it actually means to walk as a believer, whatever we're facing whatever is going on. So I seeked out the scripture. Some of the verses that stood out to me during this time, Revelation chapter 21, verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Once again, a picture of eternity. Coming back to John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things, so Jesus is speaking to his disciples. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Thessalonians chapter 4 speaks about 
how we don't actually grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. If you've ever been to a non-Christian's funeral, it is actually really, really hard. Because they can say tokenistic phrases like, they're in a better place, or they're looking down from us. But when you're at a Christian's funeral, you grieve. There's sorrow, there's pain, there's mourning. But there's joy and there's peace and there's hope in the midst of what's going on. Ecclesiastes speaks about this. Chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. You see, before the cross, the disciples didn't understand this. They couldn't comprehend. Peter, he denied. He was a person who, God said, I'm going to build the church upon this rock, upon your life. But before the cross, Peter walked away. He denied. So many of the other disciples, they went this way and the another because they had pain. They had a deeping, deep wound that they felt like for four years they had followed this man, this man who they thought was going to be the king, who was going to conquer all of Israel and beyond. And then in a moment, they see him be taken. But I love because their pain, their mourning, and their grief got transformed when Jesus revealed himself to him again three days later. And then he ascended on high. And I know full well the disciples got this picture of eternity because they suffered so much for the name of Jesus. They gave up everything to bring this word forth. Why? Because they had this picture of eternity. Paul is an amazing example of this. He got shipwrecked on multiple occasions. He got stoned and was left for dead. He received 39 lashes. 40 was enough to consider to kill a man. And at the end of his life, we read in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can he say that? In the midst of his pain, in the midst of his situation, how can we say that in our own lives? Only through this picture of eternity. I'm going to get a couple of youth up on the stage with me, Bell and Mac. They're going to help me illustrate it. Can we give a round of applause to Bell and Mac? So this rope is not to scale, and Bell explained to me that actually the, this bit isn't in the middle either, that Mac's actually got more of the rope than she does. But you're just going to let that go. This isn't my own analogy either, so you may have seen it. But this is so powerful for me, and I believe it's, yeah, it speaks a million words. So this rope represents eternity. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the Word was with God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And this tiny part of the rope represents our life here on earth. And don't get me wrong, it's not to scale because if I made it like tiny, you wouldn't be able to see it, especially those at home. But this part of the rope represents our life here on earth. And when I was in primary school, when I was in the start of high school, I felt like I had no perspective. I was so zoomed in on my own situation 
that I couldn't see what God was doing. God, how can you allow this to happen to me? I don't understand. I'm so hurt. I'm so broken because I was so zoomed in on my own situation. And that's what society speaks into our lives. What's happening to you in this moment? How is that going to benefit you? We're sold this lie that in this tiny part, we need to get a good education. Then we can get a good job, buy a house, start a family, and then hopefully they move out and we've got enough money to live it up in the last part of the life. I love how the parents laugh, but like I'm not a parent, so I don't really get that, but that's just what I hear anyway. But some of those things are good, but they're not God. When I read next to Dad's deathbed that the present suffering will not compare with the glory that will be revealed to us, I could actually take a step back and I could see the whole rope. I could see the full perspective, the full length. Well, not even that, but I could just see a glimpse of it. And a glimpse was enough for me to actually see more than just my own situation, but actually what God has done through his son Jesus and how he has gone before us and prepared a place for us in heaven. Amen. Let's give a round of applause for Beck and Mac, Bell and Mac. Thank you so much. Hopefully they, the viewers at home got to see them. I'm not sure, but uh, you got to see the rope. When Jesus commands us to not be troubled, it's not something that's unattainable, but it's something he commands of us. And I believe this is only possible when we see a glimpse of that picture, when we ask God, actually, the pain that I'm going through, I need some perspective because I don't understand. I can't fully fathom. When I don't see it, when I don't feel it, God, can you show me a picture of your son Jesus through eternity? Because I know that you've gone before me and prepared a place for me. And when we do that, God's the one who's speaking to us. He wants to meet us where we are at. But for me, it took me to come to that place on my knees so I could actually fully receive because God was constantly speaking. But in my pain, I didn't have the perspective. I didn't want to see. I'd blocked out God's voice. I don't share my story to get sympathy because I know full well so many of you have been through harder things than I've been through or will ever go through. But why I do share it is because I believe it's God's story through me. It's a story of actually God's restoration, His healing and His transformation that is available for all of us through His Son, Jesus. You see, we serve a God through Jesus who has experienced it all and who gets it. Our God didn't stay up in heaven for us to try and measure up to him. No, no. He came down to earth to dwell with his people, to dwell with us, to serve us and ultimately give his life for us so we could be with him for all of eternity because he has promised us to not be troubled. Why? Because he's given us this picture of eternity. He's gone before us and prepared a place for us in heaven. You might say, I've experienced friends walking away when I needed them the most. Jesus says, me too. You might say, I know what it feels like to be alone. Jesus says, 
me too. You might say, I've been accused for things that I never did and I had to face the punishment. Jesus says, me too. You might say, I know what it feels like to have everyone against me. Jesus says, me too. You might say, I've experienced losing someone so close to me. Jesus says, me too. You might say, I know what it feels like to be physically beaten, to face immense physical pain. Jesus says, me too. God gets it. I don't know what you're currently going through. I don't know your situation, your circumstance, but the God we serve does. And he promises that he is with you. He's never going to leave or forsake you. He's there for you. He's advocating on your behalf. As I've been thinking about what I wanted to share, God put this one song on my heart. It comes from Elevation Worship. It's called I See a Victory. The profound lyrics that stood out for me is, what the enemy meant for evil, you turn into good. You turn into good. And throughout the pages of Scripture, that is the truth. What the enemy meant for evil, you turn into good. And that's the truth in our own lives as well. What the enemy meant for evil, God through His Son Jesus is turning into good. The reality is, There is pain in this world, but Jesus made a way out for all of eternity. And all throughout Scripture, this message is portrayed. I firmly believe this is the truth. God isn't the one causing our pain, our temptation, our sickness and disease. That's the result from Genesis 3 when humanity turned away from God. In that moment, pain came into the world. In that moment, there was pain during childbirth. There was work by the sweat of their brow. But through that, Jesus had a plan. God had a plan all along to redeem humanity from what was broken. And in this world, we don't get to see the fullness of that, but we get to hold on to some promises that we're going to have peace in the midst of our pain, that He's giving us perspective in our pain so we can see eternity And I want to have a faith, I want to have a boldness and audacity like Paul to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm growing in this, God's still teaching me this, but what does that look like for you? For you to not be so zoomed in in your own situation, but to take a step back, to see God at work, to see others, to see what He is doing, what He has done and what He is to do. When we get that understanding It changes things. One story that highlights this in the Bible is the story of Joseph. What the enemy meant for evil, you turn it into good. I love the story of Joseph because Joseph got sold into slavery by his own brothers. They were about to kill him and then Reuben said, no, 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 let's just sell him off. And they made some money out of it. And then he gets sold into slavery, goes into a foreign land, goes into Egypt. And he's faithful in Potiphar's house, so much so that Potiphar gives him all leadership over his own household. And then Potiphar's wife says, come sleep with me. Joseph refuses. And then Potiphar's wife twists the truth and convinces her husband that Joseph tried to get in bed with her, but actual fact, it was the other way around. And because of this, 
Joseph got his rights taken away from him and he got thrown in prison. I want to put myself in Joseph's shoes for a moment because if I'm sold into slavery, if I'm then faithful to God and then thrown into prison, I wonder what my response would be. I don't think it would be that great. It would be a response in anger and in frustration. But then the story doesn't end there. What the enemy meant for evil, you turn into good. Joseph then gets taken out of prison and he actually gets given all rule and reign and authority over all of Egypt, only second in charge to Pharaoh himself. Cut a long story short. There's famine that breaks out in the land, his homeland, and his brothers end up years and years later coming back to Egypt and in that moment Joseph looks at his brothers his brothers don't recognize him and they're desperate for food and Joseph is full of emotion he says actually I'm going to forgive you he reveals who he is to his brothers he gives them food and he provides the best land for them and his whole family to come back it's almost a picture of Christ that Christ was betrayed by his own kind He was beaten, he was mocked, and he was scorned. But the story didn't end there. What the enemy meant for evil, you turn into good. And that's the truth for our own lives. Jesus died and he rose again three days later. And he said to his disciples, do not be troubled. Why? Because I'm going before you to prepare a place for you. Life here on earth is so small in comparison to all of eternity. This is something that I believe sets us free, enables us to walk with a boldness and a confidence that only comes from Him. We need to constantly remind ourselves. As I was preparing this week, and as we were praying like an hour ago, and the lights were going off, and the power was out, and I was like, Lord, Your Word's going to go out. What the enemy meant for evil, You're turning into good. And I can have some perspective in my pain because I know we have all of eternity in store for us. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for what you have done for us through your son, Jesus. We actually thank you for this command that is attainable through your son, Jesus, that we don't have to be troubled. In the midst of our anguish and our pain, Lord, remind us what you have done for us, what that means, what we get to receive, Lord. I just ask that we would have humble hearts to approach you boldly so we could receive the fullness that was bought and paid for us in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, both online, both in the room, amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.